0: Taste buds. when you make Thanksgiving turkey with the Joule Sous Vide, you cook that bird for 24 hours until it's juicy, tender, and by far the best turkey you have ever tasted. Cooking with Joule lets you choose your perfect doneness so it is better than a normal recipe. With Joule, there is zero guesswork. Steak. Chicken, seafood, turkey, roasts, eggs, veggies, they're all coming out exactly the way that you like them. It's fun to try cooking new recipes or cuts of meat because Jewel helps you make chef-level food without any effort. And you never have to worry about food being under or overcooked My friends, to get yours, visit ChefSteps.com slash Joule and use code CARBS to get $15 off for a limited time. That's ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Code CARBS for $15 off. Joule, perfect food every time. Hungry Homies also want to mention our good friends at Les Crusades. When we have chefs on this show, they are talking about sourcing the best quality ingredients and knowing their suppliers. But taste buds, you know, using the right cookware and tools is just as important, lay could was the first to introduce beautiful color to the kitchen by way of their enameled cast iron. They were the pioneers in this field, all cast iron, still made in France. Since 1925, in an original French foundry, each piece of cast iron touched by 15 pairs of craftsmen's hands. These pieces are made with love. Original heirloom cookware-backed, By a lifetime warranty, the Dutch oven is in full effect. Here on the East Coast, my hungry homies, the weather has turned, the leaves have changed, and we're making beautiful stews, beautiful chicken curry. Beautiful chili. It is time to get out your Dutch oven, Le Creuset. It's time to put it out onto the kitchen counter, get the ingredients in there, get it in the oven, put it on the stovetop. You can get free shipping right now, lecruset.com slash carbs with promo code carbs. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T.com slash carbs with promo code carbs. Hey now, Taste Buds, Hungry Homies, what a show, jam-packed, we have done it, we're back, welcome to House of oh, Carbs, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, my Hungry Homies, this is the Food Podcast For the Hungry Homies, by the Hungry Homies, I am your perpetually hungry host, Joe House. Incredible Halloween edition this week, House of Carbs. We have a great conversation with Dushan Zarich of the legendary world-famous Speakeasy, Employees Only. He's not a big fan of Halloween, but of course, we're we're, we're joined by Chowdown's Danny Chow to talk about his recent article on Skittles. Before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about best thing I ate or drank this week. Juliet is here, hey, and hey, when, hey. as a very special surprise, the Podfather decided to sneak
1: in. I wanted to see if your intros were getting any shorter, and the answer is no. <laughs> Why should they get shorter? We
0: have a lot. I to don't cover. know.
1: Your intros are directed by Robert Altman, which is three-hour <laughs> sprawling character yeah, a, biopics,
0: an Academy Award winner. You're talking about. <laughs> I'd like to win an Academy Award. I'd settle for the I Radio Award, though. Yeah, good. I'm,
1: we're pimping you for that one. Juliet's up for one, who, too. Who do I have to pay? House, I, want, I came on because I know you talk about food that you like, and I wanted to tell you about what I ate this weekend. I want to hear about it. I was at Dodger Stadium for Game 4 and Game 5, and I did what I always do, which is I get the Dodger dog, but then I also get the Super Dodger dog, because I don't want either of them to feel bad. And
2: <laughs> Who's going to feel bad? The dogs?
1: A, well, if the super Dodger dog feels left out, I don't want the Dodger dog to feel... I don't want either of them to feel left out. So I get both. I really like the mustard at Dodger Stadium. They huh. have the regular, like, French's kind of yellow generic mustard. But then they have, like, the... It's kind of a darker yellow, like a little horseradishy. Ooh. Put that on. Do you I know like, what brand? I don't know what brand. It's it's very unique to Dodger Stadium. I really recommend the the mustard... I like how the dog goes outside the bun on the Dodger Dogs. Yeah. It kind of dangles on both ends. And yep. uh but yesterday I was in the uh the, the dugout club that's which a, has some of the great oh, food. Greatest food.
2: That's a hardcore. No, brag. no, this
1: this is House of Carbs. I'm <laughs> okay. talking about food. Okay. They had sauerkraut. Ooh. It's, this is, sauerkraut. This is the guy mood. with his personal chef. It's not a personal chef. <laughs> they come for three hours and they cook three <laughs> meals and then they're gone. That's not a personal chef. So the Dodger Club, they were carving, um, they were carving like, a, like that roast beef, you know, the what do you call those? When they have the giant thing of like,
2: beef. like the yeah, you rotisserie? Know yeah, just like
1: the giant whatever. Like, okay. Cutting that. It could be like a tenderloin.
2: Yeah, it's like a
1: tenderloin. That's what it was. They had yeah. wild boar. They had cauliflower au gratin. They had French fries and onion rings. They had shrimp. They had just all this stuff. They had coffee. House, you would love the Dodger Club. Uh, but well, it sounds like it's – can you get a Dodger dog in there? Oh, yeah. They had Dodger dogs and the other dogs and the special mustard.
2: Wow. So Dude, that was that great. I they would had French want that fries. experience
0: that you're describing right now for the 18-inning game because that's like a four-meal game. I mean, that was really the only way to survive the
1: 18-inning game was to just keep going back were, to the Dodger Club was, and eating. I didn't go to that, that one. was three, right? I only yeah. went we to the four wins. One. I missed the 18-inning <laughs> soul-wrenching uh, catastrophe.
2: You're dropping in so many brags and that's a short period of time. Oh, I only went to the four <laughs> wins. Wow. That, why is that a brag? It's a <laughs> fact. Saying. I was 4-0. Okay. okay. When I was in the
1: house, we won. When I didn't go, we lost. <laughs> that's just the truth.
2: Okay.
1: Um, house, have you had a Dodger dog?
0: Never, never. I I was gonna go to a game. I got invited by my uh, golf podcast partner, Jeff Shackelford, and I told him I would come. And then you got mad, so I, I haven't gone with him.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, because well, we, I had you for two and a half days. I had you. I had a bunch of things scheduled for you. Juliet, have you had a Dodger dog?
2: I have not.
1: Do you like hot dogs?
2: I love them.
1: Here's how much my my wife loves Dodger dogs. I told her how I had one when I got home, and she actually got mad at me that I didn't bring one back. <laughs> And I'm like, "What are you talking about? What am I going to put that in my hoodie and carry it around for four
0: hours?" And she was like, "Yes."
2: Wow, that's actually amazing. Does anyone do that? Anyone smuggle food out of a stadium?
0: What? It it, wouldn't be smuggling if you paid for it. Sure. Right. But But, like,
2: once once the game is over, the food's over. Like you just move on. (laughs) In my head, but maybe she's got a point.
1: Well, think about this. (laughs) They style a
0: normal person.
1: They stop selling food like around the eighth inning. So then, it takes like an hour to get out of there. So that is now a two and a half hour old hot dog that's been in the pocket of my hoodie. (laughs)
2: That's disgusting. No,
0: she would have been here's the thing. If you really cared about your wife, you would have brought a ziploc bag and one with the zipper, not the not the uh, the clothes top, a full on (laughs) zipper. Oh, this is interesting. Two of those things in there. Yeah, that's a good idea.
2: Also, that's you know, what I
0: should have done. House.
2: And for the next time, you know how you can buy like at like Rite Aid, you can buy like the hand warmers to stick in your gloves. Yeah. You buy those to put in the Ziploc bag to keep oh, it warm. Smart. You got to like surround. It's a, it's a two. It has to be a two bag situation. One bag for the hot dog and then an like a insulation layer and then the second bag.
1: Well, I need the and mustard too. I, I need a little with the heat component. Yeah, I would need the little a little container for the special mustard too, because I do feel like that is essential.
2: <laughs> You're going to see you would seem so weird walking in with all these like plastic goods for the future. <laughs>
0: Here's the no matter they were in your in your pocket, it's fine. And walking out with a bag full of hot dogs, everybody's going to be trying to snatch them out of your hands. Particularly yeah, Dodger
2: Stadium, it's so hard to get out. It, like, yeah, you need you need food to sustain the exit. I, that's at least part at least favorite part of going to Dodger Stadium is getting out. It sucks.
1: Does that smell stay in my car, though? And if it does, is that a good thing or a bad thing?
2: Um, definitely stays in your car for like two days. Yeah. I'm going to go with good thing. Good thing. Remember I'd your be four i worried about the
0: hoodie. You might not be able to wear that hoodie <laughs> again until you wash it. Well, I can tell you when Quavo and his
1: uh, and his friends came to my office.
2: <laughs> Are you joking?
1: That smell stayed in my <laughs> office for two days. It was a different smell. <laughs> it was It was a pleasant smell. It was a smell uh-huh. that made me happy and mellow, but it was a smell. It was an organic smell that made me feel very, uh, very, made me feel good. like Mother Earth? Yeah, it did. It smelled like Mother Earth. We
2: have a lot of organic legal products in California, so. I,
1: I bet so, they had the Ziploc bags. <laughs> so, <laughs> House, I felt bad about my, my wife and the hot dog thing. The next day, we ordered food from Factor Deli because Zoe and I had to drive an hour and a half for the soccer game. My wife was at Ben's baseball game. I ordered a bunch of deli food, and I ordered her a hot dog. Wow. So I feel like that, that was, was nice, kind of, that's right? Thoughtful.
2: How was a delivery hot dog?
1: I mean, it, delicious. What, what's the question?
2: <laughs> well, what's the bun like? Does it get soggy? Is well, it they, cold?
1: You just have to give up the bun. Okay. You know the bun is never going to be where you want it to be. But it's more <laughs> like a hot dog than a bun situation. I don't, House wouldn't like how I ate a hot dog, because I try not to eat that much of the bread.
2: Oh no! What oh,
0: right. no. I I keep like the it.
1: bread in the middle, and I and I, I kind of pull out.
2: You go from either side.
1: I hold. So I mean use the bread as like a finger thing? holder. No, I I I end up eating a little of the bread, but oh, not so that much. So
2: it's more like instead of like a cardboard holder for the hot dog. It's, it's like the bread. The is bread. That. Interesting. I care about
0: the hot dog. Yeah, you're a meat, yeah, I'm, meat guy. I'm, I'm afraid I'm I'm gonna get mad when you order a hot dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you're
0: done. Yeah. What's left? Is is it an empty wrapper, or is there anything else there? Pulled off pieces of bread (laughs) (laughs) from both sides. I can't believe you call yourself an American. I have one more question for
1: you guys about baseball. Go ahead. Why is it so much fun to eat peanuts only at a baseball game? Is it because you can just throw the shells on the ground?
2: Absolutely. That's it, right? Absolutely. It's 100% yeah. of
1: it? The, Unequivocally, yes.
2: The littering aspect is a huge emotional It's littering. Part. It's yeah. food littering. <laughs> it's, it's great.
1: House, <laughs> it's, what are the top five food littering foods? Peanuts is one. What's two?
2: Sunflower seeds.
1: Oh, sunflower
2: Obviously. seeds. Obviously. That's, That's a huge litter one. food.
0: I, I, I like that a lot. Uh, I don't know what else. Everything in that, like phylum, right? Everything seed related. I don't know what else is out there. There's pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, pistachios. Pistachios would be terrific. Pistachios I love is those good. shells wherever they go.
1: Maybe your listeners can but, recommend some 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 of the best food littering food. <laughs>
2: You know, it's a really satisfying litter, which you should never do. Yeah. When you hate a movie, just like leaving your popcorn, like letting someone kick it over. It's like, whatever, I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> you pick this
1: up.
2: <laughs> but don't ever do That's that. That's good... so rude. Don't, yeah, that is don't rude. do it's it.
0: A, that is rude. It's but... a rude food litter, but it's very satisfying.
2: Yeah. You're just like shaking and I guess the experience if you're Bill off.
0: Simmons, you just throw your hot dog bun on the ground. You, no, I wrap
1: it and then I put it on the ground. Peanuts, though, uh, my son and I devoured these peanuts on Saturday, and then I went with Connor yesterday, and he got peanuts, and I ended up eating half of them. <laughs> I just really enjoy peanuts. I like, And I like seeing the pile of my finished peanut shells in the yeah, it's bottom like an of my feet. Yeah.
3: It's like it's, a trophy. It's very
0: satisfying. It's Getting them
1: outdoors, too. House, what is, what's the food that you're most excited about that you ate this week, as I interrupt this segment? Um,
0: I bought 17 bags of chocolate candies, Uh, With the idea of giving out two bags of chocolate candies and 15 sitting in my attic while I run upstairs for, for, you know, this is going to last me through the holidays. I'm only putting out enough candy for like the first half hour and I'm going to eat all this delicious Halloween candy. I overbought the hundred uh, grand bar, oh. obviously on purpose. Yeah, uh, that's Wait, a stash. what?
2: You two are like Jones and for a hundred grand bar.
0: Oh, then one
1: of my favorites. Oh, that's weird. Top. What, what's weird about it?
0: I haven't heard anyone talk about one hundred oh, grand my God. in a while. It's so good. Okay, the, we, we. You know we. Lo- you heard me talk about it when we did this podcast one a year ago, ago Juliet. Yes, so it one was year my ago. Number, she one of my it top of, her three head. of all
2: Halloween candies. <laughs> it's a great it's one. Only you two. That's why you're friends. It's, it's a generational thing. It's beautiful. Which uh, McCall? 100, 100 grand. The so 100 grand is to you two as Boston is to Ben and Matt. We like
1: chocolate and caramel together.
2: <laughs> okay. I like a Milky Who Way. Doesn't? Do you like a Milky Way?
1: Rolos. Eh. Rolos I like. Uh, M&M now has caramel M&M's, which... My wife bought all the Solomon candy, and she bought the M&M bag, and I just strategically took all the caramel M&Ms out.
2: You guys are into the pre-dentistry candies, all the stuff that's really bad for your teeth.
1: <laughs> Those are bad for you? Yeah. Aren't Isn't it bad just to have M&Ms? Like, at that point, why can't I just keep going?
2: I like all the theories that that's chocolate right. might not be that bad for you. Like, oh, it's good for your skin. or like, oh, it's natural. Whatever.
1: My wife does that thing with dark chocolate. Yes. She's like, no, dark chocolate's good for you. Yes. I was like, it can't be good for you. You can't imagine dark chocolate's actually good. It's like, like it's less healthy. bad. Yeah, it's less bad.
0: Less <laughs> bad <laughs> is a better word. It's very satisfying. I love dark chocolate. As I've gotten older, beets and dark chocolate, <laughs> not together, but I like both of those things. House, where do you stand
1: on O'Graton? Because I was thinking about it on Dodger Stadium. I'm trying to think of situations that I'm not happy that
0: the word ograttan is in my life.
2: Is that they have it like, like, on stadium? The
0: only um, it place like, where was like might O'Groton. be the case would be like tuna. Oh, right? yeah. That's
2: disgusting. I would still
0: like, eat it. yeah. Everywhere else though.
2: Wait, cauliflower au gratin. That's like a trendy thing, and that's because like oh, it's, it's delicious. It's yeah, it's because like it's like low less carbs.
1: Is that what it is? But it's just ca- cheesy cauliflower, it's, yeah,
2: but it's it less carbs than cheesy potatoes.
1: Au gratin is okay, great it, carbs in itself though, right?
2: Each, I mean, the cheese it's like fat, and and it's like yeah, it's mostly fat, but the but the potatoes are like really heavy.
1: Dodger Stadium they put the calories next to oh, the food. No. I think it's a mistake.
2: Oh, horrible.
1: It was cuz at the they baseball
2: a- stadium they do that. In yeah. LA. Of
1: yeah. course they do. They had a place called ch- Oh
0: right, a great point. I they always had a place forget called, uh, how weird
1: Chicken tots. So it's like basically chicken nuggets and all these different tater tots. One of the tater Sounds tots. Good. Yeah. You like it. One of the tater yeah. tots you can get chili and cheese on it. And they had naked tater tots and it was like 900 900 calories. The chili cheese tater tots, they just had a picture of of a 400-pound dead guy lying on his back. Oh, my God. Instead of the calories. It was just like, here's your destiny. Here's your future. It it was like 1,600 calories. I was like, wow, if you're getting that, yeah. That's like at um,
2: Cheesecake Factory, if you order the nachos, it's 2,600 calories.
0: 2,600? Yes.
2: Yes. We should do a Cheesecake Factory trip, actually. I love Cheesecake Factory.
0: I am so in for that. I've had I I will will posit that I've had nine tenths of the Cheesecake Factory menu, <laughs> including all of the cheesecakes that are available. over the course All of, of the my cheesecakes? Life. And nearly every every dessert offering they have. Never sleep on the carrot cake. Unbelievable carrot it cake in the Cheesecake Factory. It's
2: really good. You know, um, I had an impromptu Rosh Hashanah dinner with a few friends this year, and the host, and my friend Michael, For dessert, he just went and got like a sampling of Cheesecake Factories and Ah, the carrot cake. And it was amazing. He did a great job.
1: I like that you had an impromptu Rosh Hashanah dinner. Like it snuck up on you this year. (laughs)
2: Everyone's plans fell through, so we had to improvise. And he improvised really well.
1: It sounds like the worst episode of Sex in the City from 2002. (laughs) The impromptu Rosh Hashanah dinner.
2: I've been rewatching that show. I haven't told you. I'll tell you about it offline. All right.
1: Tell me about it offline.
2: Yeah. Should we get so, to how This houses? seems like
1: the right segue
0: <laughs> yeah. to, to our guests at the speakeasy. Perfect. Great. I had a blast. All right. My thanks, as always, to the pot father himself and Juliet. We covered a lot of territory on Best Thing I Ate This Week. Now let's get in that belly with Dushan Zarich of Employees Only. All right, my taste buds, my hungry homies, my parched pals. Today's show, a very special one. I'm coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. I have a guest here today. I'm at his establishment. This is the California outpost of an iconic New York bar. This gentleman is a pioneer of craft bartending If you want to check out a list that talks about the world's best 50 bars, this dude is on it. His bar is on it. If you want to check out a list that talks about the world's top bartenders, this dude is on it. My guest today, Dusan Zarich, of Employees Only. Welcome to House of Carbs. I love it. My dude, here we are. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So, uh, this is my first time at any employees only. I've never had the pleasure of, of, you know, the, the iconic venue up in New York, but this is a beautiful setting. We're sitting outdoors here there. You may hear some background noise. Dushan tells me the background noise you may or may not hear. It could be the rats running the air conditioning. Dushan, what what are we hearing in the background? Yeah. Here?
3: You know, we, uh. You know, we use our barbacks, you know, to train them uh, for speed and execution by having them hunt the rats and, in the courtyard. And then, uh, you know, we employ these rats to save on energy bills. See? You know, sustainability is the uh, a major, major thing these days. It's
0: a California thing. You, it puts you right in the vibe. So let's start with that. What um, made you think that going from New York, you have 14 years uh, legendary uh, bar that you opened there what inspired you to come out here to California
3: well you know we um, we reached this threshold by being really kind of a one-off you know employees only in New York is really an interesting phenomenon I want to say um, it's like the bumblebee you know if it was up to science the bumblebee could never fly too heavy you know the wings is the wings of the bumblebee are not large enough to support all that weight but because it moves so fast it takes off so we're kind of similar like that um you know nobody ever thought that we can be this successful or this kind of popular with people which i take very humbly actually i have to tell you I, i i still i still am genuinely surprised by the love and support we get from our guests um But it did work out. And then, you know, we we kept growing our revenue, growing our guest base. And our staff stayed and stayed and stayed on. And we have people who are there from the beginning for 14 years. And we must be doing something right to have that energy, you know, maintain that energy, maintain that ethos, maintain that goodwill. Um, So when uh, I moved here because of a different business to Los Angeles five years ago, We, my partners and I, have already taught about beginning a slow expansion. Okay. There was different models we could have adopted, you know, from Mm -hmm. franchising, licensing, selling to third parties, but we decided that the most wholesome and the most employees-only way is to just do it ourselves and do it autonomously. So uh, every employees-only that opened after the New York one Uh, has at least one of the original founders as a owner. And um, that's how we decided to do this one here. Yeah, your handprints and your footprints,
0: which is a helpful way to get to what I want to ask you about, uh, which is the beginnings. How, How did you come into this line of
3: work what was your 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 background how did you find your way into to craft cocktails well you know i uh, i never actually imagined myself being in hospitality i always enjoyed bars obviously yes but i i always wanted to be a rock and roll musician that that, that was kind of my thing i wanted to could you play an uh, instrument yeah yeah what'd I, you play i i i was um i was um lead singer and um written guitar player in a hair metal band oh, <laughs> in the 80s and okay. 90s. and um yeah you know i wanted to do that um and well, then you know i also went to school and uh, got a degree in engineering which was kind of my family thing you know my yeah. all my all my kind of family members my dad my grandpa all of that that kind of lineage they were all, all engineers so it was kind of you pay homage yeah in europe you know you get this kind of weight you gotta like carry around yourself unless until you wake up uh and so i you know i did that and i got my degree and never practiced it one day um <laughs> the american government was friendly enough to you know grant me a green card on a lottery and i came here wow um to new york and i uh, never left when was that <laughs> it's in 1996 96 okay um, and and uh you didn't arrive in new york and immediately get behind the bar did you no 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 i um I actually wanted to work for NASA. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the Clinton um, government at that time was cutting budgets left and right, and um, NASA was the first one to go, and they were laying off people. They weren't hiring at all. Yeah. So um, I quickly had to find something else to do. And, you know, in between some shady jobs, I met these Russian dudes who uh, um, recommended me to um, be the new doorman at a strip joint in uh, Brighton Beach in Brooklyn and so I entered hospitality as uh, basically a bouncer.
0: Sure. So how do you go from being a bouncer to one of the world's
3: foremost uh, craft cocktailsmen? Um, I don't know. I was just very attracted to, you know, bars and seeing what bartenders are doing seemed very similar to what rock and roll musicians are doing. Huh. At least the amount of attention a young man I see. Would get. I uh, see. Was very very similar, and you know, I will not sit here and tell you like stories. I mean, I did it for the girls for sure. <laughs> well, I thought uh, you were going to
0: say it was the do-it-yourself kind of ethos. So you, to no, use your no, man, word.
3: no. It was like okay. <laughs> it was <so> the girls. <laughs> how do I get attention from women? And you know, it was like <laughs> be a bartender because everything else I couldn't do. You know, I was not a, I was not a rich dude. I was not. Um, yeah. You know, I was not a good-looking dude, I was not any of that, so uh, bartending kind of was natural, and um, something happened actually when the first moment I started working behind the bar, everything seemed familiar, and I can't explain that, it's nothing really tangible, it's more a feeling, an instinctive kind of re- realization. and. You know, I could, was it like an epiphany, that kind of thing, or not quite to that level? I noticed myself really feeling alive when I'm behind the bar. Wow. And not only feeling alive as a human being, I would shift completely, I I also had some kind of an intuitive knowledge of how to mix things and bring them into balance. Ah. Um, of course, that in those days, it was very crude and very raw, but I could certainly produce better drinks than anybody else on any bar staff i worked at that time and then i had the pleasure to meet my mentor dale DeGroff, who to this day i owe pretty much everything The legend yeah you know he's uh he's somebody that deservedly so has single-handedly um Created this whole craft cocktail movement. He inspired it. He he was the first person to tell us it's okay to be a professional bartender. Mm -hmm. You know, chefs were getting all the attention, sommeliers, you know, uh, everybody else, restaurateurs. But bartenders were considered to be either thieves or actors or students or dancers or somebody else, but a professional. And uh, he was the first one to tell us, look, this is very American thing. You're a part of a very long lineage. Of American bartenders and it's very honorable profession and you should be proud to devote your life to this profession and so I did yeah so when we talking about um, craft
0: cocktails and that that, that tradition um, as you were sort of introduced to it what
3: what did it mean then well back then in the 90s it was Craft cocktails equaled fresh citrus juice, uh, simple syrup made from scratch, the use of high-quality fruit purees, usually made in France, with as less sugar added to them as possible, with as little preservatives as they could you know, put in there. So that was pretty much it. Vodka was all the rage because yeah. the drugs were back then such that, you know, people wanted to drink vodka. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about this, you know, because they think, oh, it's so not politically correct to talk about that stuff. Um, The general taste of, you know, spirits, cocktails, um, is Mm -hmm. always connected in nightlife to the drugs people take. Ah. Uh, And back then, you know, it was cocaine and it was everybody drank absolute and everybody did blow. And that was kind of what was happening.
0: So that's incredible because one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you about is here how the the sort of New York drinking palate, and your experience at Employees Only in New York, compares to the the L A drinking palate. Ah, great and, question. And I think what we're going to end up talking about is the drug scene in New York compared to the drug scene <laughs> in L A.
3: Well, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not an expert on on drugs but I am an expert I believe to about you know drinks and specifically distilled spirits Um, yes and my career has taken me through various places and I have learned how to make my own spirits and worked with the ASICS company as a co-founder to create a beautiful uh, portfolio of spirits that are designed to you know make better drinks because that's what was needed and is needed, but um, the drinking is different in Los Angeles than it is in New York. In New York, people walk. Uh, it's a major difference. Um, when you walk, you can bar hop or restaurant hop or go from different neighborhoods within ten minutes and find a different scene, and you're pretty safe. Um, also, in New York, people kind of live a little bit more on the edge than they do here. Meaning, it is a quite normal thing to see at employees only New York people at midnight ordering steak and having a bottle of wine. Um, never happens in L.A. <laughs> uh, never happened. Like, we, we literally don't sell any food after 11 p.m., <laughs> like, literally no food. Um, so, there is a difference of lifestyle, there's a difference of air, there's a difference of light, there's a difference of ambience... The general energy of the city. There's a lot of Prius drivers here. You know, you gotta be very careful when you're on the road. Um, it's I, that sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's 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 a different place. So people here drink mostly uh, tequila. Uh-huh. Oh wow. Uh, they drink vodka as well. Okay. Um, gin here and there. You know, it's happening as well. Mezcal for sure. Uh-huh. But then you know, we don't see a lot of. Uh, um, Whiskey sales, for example, or you know, brandy or um, rum, for that matter. Okay. You know, it's, it's, None it's, of the brown liquors. It, Everybody wants something clear. It's it's kind of the general rule here. Like our best-selling cocktail here is our improved margarita, uh, which is great. How's it, it improved? Well, you know, see, I'm an M M&M and M guy, here, right? Okay. You know, do 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 you like the wrapper M and M or M and M's the candy. No, man. <laughs> margaritas and marijuanas. Ah, of course, of course. All right, so margarita's oh, my... such a square. House yeah. of Carbs is so square. See, so, you know, I, I always loved margarita because I thought it's such a great cocktail. Actually, the only cocktail I would gastronomically um, and proudly, you know, pair with food. Yes. Um, other cocktails don't necessarily really, in my opinion- work well with main courses but margarita has disability right so i was always playing with the recipe you know there is a classic recipe the daisy right and there's a classic recipe there's tommy's but i wanted something a little bit more gastronomically evolved so i use uh tequila cabeza uh, my tequila that 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 i helped develop because of that cocktail (laughs) and you know we use um, a combination of agave Um, nectar, not syrup, Um, and Contro as a sweetener and Uh. uh, accentuating flavor. And then we use orange blossom water, salt in the drink. Um, We use orange bitters and then three types of citrus. Lime, obviously, as a major citrus and then um, accentuating that with fresh grapefruit and lemon juice. So this drink actually becomes quite powerful, full body, really delicious. Uh, It's not just your, you know, yeah, I'm sold. I, yeah. I I wish I was having one right now. Well, we can arrange for yeah, that.
0: Yeah, we can arrange for that. You you just went through a bunch of um ingredients for the improved margarita. I want to know about your experience here in LA, the accessibility of, you know, um, fruit and vegetables year round that are vastly different from what's available in New York. Absolutely. How yeah. how are you how's that sparked your sort of creativity and your creative oh, interest? I love it. Yeah.
3: Oh, I do love it. Like, and,
0: and and what have you found? I mean, what, is there any particular f- uh, fruit or uh, combination that, that you've really taken to?
3: I mean, look, we we have our menus dictated mostly by kind of a classic influence, right? Y- we yes. do go off and create contemporary cocktails that feature unusually, you know, un- unusual ingredients that you would not, not necessarily find... But um, here, it's just cheaper, right, and available all year round. Not, you know, that's not to say that we cannot find these things in New York. Yes, but you're going to pay a premium if if they're not in season. Here, you know, fruits, vegetables are pretty much always in season, right? Because it it gets harder to find really interesting stuff like quinces, (laughs) right, Uh, or you know, champagne grapes or stuff like that. But you know. We are doing our best. Yeah. Um, we are sitting here
0: outside of Employees Only in Los Angeles, California, the the first West Coast outpost of Employees Only. Um, I know you're also heavily involved in another adventure at
3: Hotel Figueroa. What's going on there? Yeah, this was a, a project that we started three years ago, actually, when the hotel became, you know, came under new ownership, um, an independent ownership. So um, they wanted to hire a group of talents, as they said, that will do something different in the F&B pro- uh, program. So my partner there, uh, uh, my culinary partner is Chef Case, uh, Casey Lane, who is extremely talented. His food is just really, really, really soulful. Really good, really balanced. He cooks the way I make drinks, so I, I was immediately having a man crush on him. <laughs> um, and then, you know, uh, they wanted me to be involved because the um, design of the hotel, the renovation, called for literally four four bars, two restaurants, and one private event space that could potentially also be a club. So it's we, ambitious. It's huge. Yeah. So we. We took this upon ourselves, um, young and stupid as we are, (laughs) um, arrogant and full of ego, Mm. thinking we can do it. Um, And obviously we learned uh, that not everything is so easy as we imagine it to be. However, it's working now really, really well. And I'm really excited about the hotel and what we're offering there. And we we are having a huge rate of retention of not only guests that come back, but also the locals.
0: Oh, yeah, nice a local following. Yeah, and how does like the the drink menu at a place like Figueroa compare to what you're you're trying to do here at Employees Only?
3: Yeah, well, uh, see, I um, I come from an old world kind of uh, attitude okay. towards, towards gastronomy and dining in y- general. Yes, for me, if you just drink without eating and getting high without eating, you're missing the point. Actually, you're not really understanding how to really integrate your whole experience into something better and elevated. Yeah. Um, not to say there's anything wrong with just getting drunk. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and and, and and judge people who do that. That's not my job. But my point is that I'm inspired by the culinary programs a lot. Yeah. So what we did at the Figueroa is we created a bar program for this Basque restaurant uh, in the lobby that is beautiful spanish basque food and we created a cocktail menu to go with it including a separate gin tonic menu the way they do them in spain um you know big burgundy glasses you know like different kinds of gin with different kinds of tonics different kinds of um botanicals and ingredients that we infuse it's really fun yeah you know and then we have um kind of a contemporary, modern, beautiful, elevated tiki bar in the back of the, um, back of the pool called the Ricks, which, you know, uh, people cringe when I say tiki and I think undeservedly so uh, because when you know, people say tiki, I think people think, you know, plastic monkeys and pirate flags, <laughs> which is not really where we are there. I mean, everything we do there is so delicious and all the ingredients are super fresh. We use no artificial sweeteners or yeah. you know anything like that it's just really really fun to 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 create a program like that then we have a very upscale almost experimental bar in on the mezzanine that is basically just encouraging the guests to go off the cuff and ask the part then to just do something special for them it, like kind of a dealer's choice for the lack of a better term but you know we we encourage people to just let us curate your experience
0: Uh uh-huh yeah okay well speaking of curating experiences this show is going to run on halloween i'm interested in your take on on uh halloween your experience and kind of the the uh the uh libation business as it relates to to that holiday yeah do you do you have a point of view on halloween as it relates to libations
3: yes oh yes do when, tell when you have enough mileage as an industry professional there's few <laughs> nights during the year that you never want to work yes all right one yes. is one is halloween okay uh, new year's eve another right. one and then i'll reserve the other ones We'll to s- myself and won't comment. <laughs> you won't tell people. Uh, you okay. won't tell. The, yeah. the, but if you really uh if you have um the seniority not to have to work uh Halloween then you're really lucky. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, so I, they, I think I've seen uh a, a lot of stuff uh during the years uh, that you know makes, yeah. makes me really happy not to have to do that. I I, I get it. Yeah.
0: Uh now with with, with have, having said that, um at either Figaro or employees only, will there be anything you do you still do themed stuff for Halloween for the for the, for, for your guests. Like we, we, I mean, you don't have to. I'm just asking, just asking. Quite honestly, I don't know. You don't. Oh, what a what a great answer!
3: You don't know because you you ain't coming. I don't know. Whatever you want to <laughs> do, you want to dress up as Gene Simmons. You're welcome. You know, you want to dress up any mm. which way you want. You're welcome. I. I will probably miss (laughs) miss. (laughs) that evening. I'm going to probably spend it with my daughters trick-or-treating around the neighborhood. Well, that sounds
0: great. Now, if you're going to make yourself a drink for that night Uh while you're walking around, what are you going to make for yourself? Oh, I'll have a tequila and a beer. That's the the perfect. Now, yeah. that that means both hands. So you
3: can't help yep. the girls carry their candy if, you're, oh, if your hands big are big enough. They okay. I think this is the last year they, they're going to be into this.
0: <laughs> they're they're, yeah. they're they're at that age. Yeah,
3: I think so. I got it.
0: Uh, Dusan Jarish, we We're at employees only, Los Angeles, California. You can also catch him at the Hotel Figueroa. Uh, what's the uh,
3: what's the intersection? What's Figueroa? It's downtown Los Angeles on the intersection of Olympic Boulevard and Figueroa Street. And the important thing, if you come
0: to employees only, if you're lucky enough to get yourself in here or over at Hotel Figueroa, you need to come hungry. Yes. That's the best way to enjoy totally. these cocktails. Yeah, my friend, thank you so much for joining us thank today. Thank
3: you, thank you. What a pleasure. That's awesome.
0: All right. My thanks to Dushan's Arch, an incredible conversation and even better drink. I can tell you without hesitation or reservation, my taste buds, he treated me to the single best martini I have ever had in my life. It's a gin martini. You must go to employees only in Los Angeles, sit down at the bar and order this martini. If you want to know what a martini is supposed to taste like. We're going to get to a nice conversation with our pal, Danny Chow. But first, a quick word from our friends at Hotel Tonight. Here is a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. Hotel Tonight has partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing hotel deals, you've got to try the Hotel Tonight. Forget scrolling through never-ending lists. Hotel Tonight shows you a select list of incredible deals and cool hotels that they think you are going to love. They give short profiles of each hotel, complete with all the info you need, pictures of what the rooms really look like. Plus, even though the name is Hotel Tonight, you're not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance makes them perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool if that's your thing, rooftop bar if that's your thing. All of it is covered by hotel tonight. I my own self have been taking uh, to the hotel tonight app for my business travel because it helps me very quickly pick a neighborhood and a room that's gonna fit my business budget, my friends, to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Get yourself to Hoteltonight.com or download the app right now. All right, Hungry Homies, friend of House of Carbs, the ringer food correspondent, Danny Chow, the author of the Chow Down series, here to join us. It's Halloween week. Danny, how are you? I'm great. It's always a pleasure. Love this pod. Always oh, so look, uh we need to make Chowdown a more regular kind of a, a visit here on the on House of Carbs. Um, we saw what you did in Chicago. It was a beautiful thing. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna we have a, an important topic today. You wrote about Skittles earlier this month, and we're gonna tackle that. I did. But I can't let 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 this conversation go without hearing a little bit about Chicago. What was the single best thing that you ate while you were in Chicago?
4: Okay, so the the one thing that I like, ever since I got back to L.A., I couldn't stop talking about uh, this basically this Puerto Rican sandwich concoction called a jiburito, Uh yes. which is essentially like if you've had uh, a torta. It's essentially that, so it's a sandwich with you know lettuce, tomato, your meat of your choice, except the bun isn't bread; it's two deep-fried pieces of plantain.
0: Oh my gosh!
4: Oh, it, it it was fantastic, and the the top, uh, I guess the top layer of the plantain, the the top bun, if you will, uh, is brushed with garlic oil, and it's just. It was fantastic. I had mine at a place called Hiberitos Imas in Logan Square, um, in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago, and it was packed from, so, you know,
0: the morning. L- let me ask you a logistics question. I've had fried plantains many times and presented in, in, in a lot of different styles and, and manners, but always kind of, uh, you know, in a snack mode and... Fried to an extra crispy kind of doneness that doesn't seem like it would lend itself to be a a, a kind of a sandwich vehicle. Right.
4: Yeah. And I I think a lot of, you know, the ways that are they're fried, you know, as tostones, um, they're meant to be this really dense, crisp crunch. Um, But with the hiburrito, I mean, to be honest, like, does it hold together as well as a regular sandwich would? No, but I think that's part of the fun. Um, I see
0: it actually, does it break down? Like, does it crack? When no, you take I, the first it bite? actually
4: does not. It, it remains at least a little bit pliable, but there's still that really dense crunch. Um, I don't know. It, it was one of the real satisfying, like complete sensory experiences where you're like, oh, it's crunchy. There's, there's a nice, I got mine with blood sausage instead of the typical, like, um, you know, roasted pork or whatever. So there was a nice little like density to the blood sausage. Everything was just it was magical, and the hot sauce that they yeah, had there—that's there a, a flavor
0: amazing. melder. I'm I'm glad that you talked about the multisensory experience because it's Halloween week, and you wrote an article recently about America's number one non-chocolate candy, and that is Skittles. And you use a word in the article that I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of, but it captures this multi-sensory idea, and it's really sort of, I think, at the guts of, of the point you were making about the beautiful Skittles. The word is synesthetic. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Yeah, that's that's oh, exactly it. miracle. <laughs> My parents uh, spent all that money for me to get a degree in English, and I can actually pronounce a word uh, properly. I wanna talk about your treatment of the Skittles, but before we begin, with your treatment of it, wh- I want your take on this. Why do you believe it is the case that in the American palate, Skittles is the number one non-chocolate candy over Starbucks or Twizzlers? Starbursts. Starburst. Yeah. <laughs> Starbursts. Yes. What did I say? Starbucks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in.
0: <laughs> we can keep that in. Hey, Kyle, we don't have to edit that. No. I mean, it's exactly how I mean, it's a perfect <laughs> moment. I'm staring at Starbucks right now. Um Yeah, Starburst. That's what I meant. Cuz the strawberry Starburst is delicious.
4: Yeah, I b- although my favorite is personally the the cherry.
0: Sure, sure. I get yeah. it.
4: Yeah. Um that's a good question. I think part of it is just how easy the skittles, how easy skittles are to eat. I mean, you could pop a yes. bunch in your mouth, kind of gnash at them, and suddenly, you know, you have a, a a whole nother you know handful in your hands. Whereas the starburst is more of like a a slow burning experience. You kind of had, you can chew on it if you want, but I, I think the pleasure in eating starburst is more like kind of letting it melt over time.
0: Yeah. And at most, you could do two at a time. That's really the max of what you want to do with Starburst, right? I don't think I've I've even ever done that.
4: It, it just feels wait, like wait, too wait, much. Wait.
0: You've never taken a cherry Starburst and a and a lemon Starburst and put them together, okay? No, you're
4: you're right. You're right. I have done that. Yeah, I have done that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I know you it's, have. T- it's too much. It's it's too much. Uh, you know, overall flavor. Like, there's just it takes way too long for you to kind of get over that first experience of of eating the the taffy or whatever whereas with the with skittles they just kind of you know go away <laughs> yeah
0: and i mean you know The work that's involved, and it's a big like mouthful uh, when you do Starburst. I don't want to get, I don't want to gross anybody out, but when you're eating like that big a glob of of taffy, there's a lot of saliva. It's a big, it's a big uh, showdown going on in there.
4: Right. I I remember like in middle school, like there was a whole thing like, oh, can you unwrap a Starburst with just your tongue? And I'm just like, well, yeah. I mean, all of us could, but like. That's just a lot of saliva going on the the waxy paper on the outside. I know. Why it's, would you do it? It's well, just it's it was a, was a weird challenge.
0: Question. Yeah, yeah, a high school challenge exactly. It, it was it sounds like something we would try and make the freshmen do. I went to an all boys high school. There was no natural hazing thing. <laughs> uh in any event, so let's talk about um, the skittles. I want to start with. Uh, well, let me let you describe the point of the article, and then I I want to talk to you about the hot skittles, right? The sweet heat, um, and and then uh, close it out with hoping everybody gets skittles in their in their Halloween candy bag. But but what why why were you um, motivated to write about skittles in the first place?
4: So it's funny that you brought up the hot skittles because I think that's actually how I got into it. I had saw I saw a I think it was an Instagram story from a fellow food writer, uh, Lucas Peterson, who also does the frugal traveler for the New York times. Uh, He had put up an Instagram thing that showed hot Skittles. And I was like, I had never seen this before. Uh, I tweeted about it. The editor in chief of the ringer, Sean fantasy saw the tweet and he responded to the tweet by saying, I would read a Skittles column that got more likes than my original tweet. And so I was like, all right, well, I, I mean, I, I got to give the people what they want, I guess. Got to um, give the people
0: what they want.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, it just went from there. And, you know, when I do these food pieces and I, I get into the research, uh, I, you know, invariably, I fall into this rabbit hole, um, start looking into the origins, start looking into the science of it. And, and I just kind of got overwhelmed with all this information. I, I, I put it out, you know in the best way that i could about a candy that i absolutely adore. Um
0: yeah, yeah, and and clearly you're not alone. America joins you in in that celebration.
4: Yeah, there there's a interesting website called candystore.com that uh, they went through the past 11 years of candy sales around Halloween and according to the data Skittles is the most popular Halloween candy of 2018.
0: E- exceeding chocolate items as well. I think so. Actually, that's an in- that's an in- well. I- in in some respects, the chocolate entries all consume each other in terms of of garnishing of the vo- the vote. Right, they have to share the vote. Your your Milky Way is cutting into your Three Musketeers. Is is cheating your Snickers? Is taking a swipe from your hundred gram bar? Right, is taking a dump on your Hershey's. I mean. How can there be just one chocolate that stands all uh, above all? I, I've seen, I know 538 attempted a scientific, uh, a, a mathematical. They, they did a regression analysis uh, and came up with some uh, Reese's at the top. Uh, I reject that. I reject the underlying science. I'm going to call that <laughs> junk science. Um, but to, to, to the point that you're making here, Skittles wins because it's its own standalone animal. It's not fighting with uh, other chocolates. I also feel like
4: because, you know, you get that fun size little bag of Skittles and each one comes with, I don't know, like five or six or seven Skittles and they're all different flavors. You kind of get a full sort of variety of things, whereas a fun size Snickers is only going to taste like a Snickers. You know, like I always really loved when I got a, a bag of Skittles or, you know, sweet tarts or whatever. Because there were just a variety of flavors that you could get in a single package, so you you yeah, felt like not, you were getting more, even though you were you're getting not pretty stuck much with the same a single amount.
0: taste note. I'm with you, right? So speaking of single taste note, I want to um, quickly kind of dispense with the uh, sweet heat, the 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 attempt by Skittles to enter the the spicy market. Yeah. I know from your uh t- twitter feed that you felt like this candy could have been made for you yeah why don't you talk about your experience with it
4: i wanted to love it so so badly um <laughs> like I- if you guys have read any of my any of my work i absolutely am a heat freak i will eat the spicy you are a heat freak i can imagine I, I can uh Confirm it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I heard about this and, you know, I w- obviously wasn't expecting my face to be blown off, but, I, you know, I I appreciate the nuances of adding spi- adding spicy elements to food. And I thought this could be a very interesting way to do it because a lot of my favorite candies are actually, um, you know, produced in Mexico where it's a fruit candy that's kind of rolled around in chili salt. So you get the kind of spicy, salty, sweet uh, combinations. Um, Wonderful. And and I think that's like that's what Skittles was kind of taking influence from because they were using flavors like strawberry, like a hot strawberry, a spicy chili mango, stuff like that. And I'm eating it. And the first note you get is, oh, this is just kind of a normal Skittle. And then you wait for like two seconds and you're like, am I getting sick? Like you you get like this weird <laughs> oh, like no. you get this weird itch in the back of your throat. It's not even really heat. It's just like this annoying I don't know, nuisance in the back of your throat and you're just like, "Oh, this is it." So it doesn't even taste like you're eating something like a piece of fruit with some chili salt in it. It's more like you're eating a skittle and then all of a sudden there's something happening in the back of your throat. It was really disappointing.
0: But that that is disappointing because when folks introduce these um, the, the the heat element, you want the heat to be present. You don't want it to be a lingering after effect. You don't want the heat to come in wave two. You want it to be part of the original sensory experience. Exactly. This is why the flaming Cheeto is such an overwhelming success, in my humble opinion. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the agree? chili...
4: Is, yeah, the, the, the heat and the chili is, is what you get first. Like, you know, when you think of a Cheeto, it's obviously cheese, but... You eat a flaming hot Cheeto and it's like it's throughout the entire experience. You get this like tangy, spicy, you know, savory, these three elements all at once. And then it and then you also get the lingering effects. So it's a almost a complete experience. Whereas the Skittle is almost like two separate experiences, which is really dumb because like I wouldn't want a spicy experience alone with a Skittle, you know? I would well, rather and, it and be here's incorporated.
0: What, I'm interested in 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 this. Um w- in some respects it's unfair to compare the Flaming Hot Cheeto to a Skittles because Flaming Hot Cheeto you can smell it. You can smell it when you open the bag it yeah. has a you know it, it immediately hits your your nostrils. Skittles don't have that quality. The Mexican candy you're describing mm-hmm. though sounds like it may carry a, a smell with it. Is that the case? Oh
4: yeah. Absolutely, you you take a whiff of that, you're probably choking.
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> but, this, but seems like maybe not the case with the with the hot skittle, huh? I mean, you might be able to detect like
4: some trace elements of oh, okay, so this might be a little spicy on on the nose, but like, I mean, it really wasn't a full experience. It was it was kind of disappointing, and the mango flavor, which is especially disappointing, um, it just tasted very artificial i I described it in the piece as eating the mango flavor tasted like if you were to walk into like the storage closet of a bed bed and bed bath and beyond or bed whatever it's called bath and body works um (laughs) and you found yourself catching a cold or like
0: dealt with heartburn that doesn't sound like yeah, the, the sentence is blazing mango tastes like a bout with heartburn in the storage closet of a bath and body works. Yeah, there that's you go. not a rousing endorsement. That's not a ringing endorsement, Danny.
4: You know what? I, I have to I had to play it fair because Skittles are my
0: favorite <laughs> candy. Ya. And, you know, they, they disappointed me this time,
4: but there's always there room go. for next time.
0: Well, let's bring it back around uh, because you do end up celebrating the glory of Skittles. And here we are Halloween week. We're hoping all the hungry homies, all the taste buds, with little ones out there trick or treating, uh, are able to steal lots and lots of skittles out of their kids' bags. Uh, not that we sanction stealing from your kids. Uh, actually, what am I talking about? Of course, I sanction that. I, I I encourage it uh, religiously. Um, share with the folks your take on what makes skittles work.
4: It's funny because i think what makes skittles work is that there isn't one flavor of the bunch that kind of overpowers any other um and i, I think i agree with you on this th- there I will agree. be there will be some dissent on that opinion mainly because i think in 2013 uh, skittles was um had changed the original lime flavor to green apple and a lot of people do not like that um and even today, actually, I, I'm kind of in that camp as well. If you eat the green apple, there's something about it that tastes a little different than kind of the the flavor or the the, the array of flavors that you're getting from the other flavors, um, from the other ah. fruit flavors. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I think part of that has to do with the fact that, you know, we're all, you know, nostalgists. We all like yes. to think that, you know, things that happened in our childhood— are definitely better than how they are now. And, you know, maybe maybe the lime was a superior flavor, but maybe it's just our memories being like, you know, I, I reject this green apple. I reject it from the lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's similar to something that I feel when I eat Doritos chips in that basically every flavor kind of draws from the same three flavors, the same three base flavors. So with Doritos, you have the Nacho Cheese, the Cool Ranch, and Salsa Verde. So you have like the kind of tanginess of the ranch. You have the savoriness of the cheese and the spiciness of the the salsa. And basically all of the best flavors that Doritos puts out are some sort of combination of those three.
0: Sweet chili. Ah, sweet chili. I want to talk about, I, I don't know when this came out, but I was so pleasantly surprised to be in my local grocery store in, in the last handful of weeks and right. encounter a Doritos bag that I feel like I haven't seen in 40 years. It is the taco flavored Doritos in the orangeish brownish, the oh, Cleveland yeah. Browns colored bag. I remember that. My uh, eyes lit up. My taste buds erupted. I walked home with four bags of taco flavored <laughs> Doritos. Was this Recently. Recently. I, I'm I'm like in the last three weeks. I couldn't oh, believe wow. it when I saw it on the shelf.
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, like there are You might cer- have to
0: get to the bottom of it. There are certain I don't know. Flavors. Have you seen
4: them in LA? I, I don't think I have, but I haven't Oh. Huh. I mean it, it, not, it, it's probably I'm gonna
0: put you in search of.
4: Yeah. I'm in search of that. I'm in search of these limited edition hot chicken, Nashville hot chicken flavored Pringles. Apparently oh, that's I being seen made. These. Yeah. So there there are a lot of limited edition stuff that, you know, we should probably uh,
0: ask the Hungry Homies to spot out for us. Spot out and give us, you know, where we can find them and all of it, for sure. Absolutely positively. You used the word uh, nostalgic a little bit ago, which I think is a good segue into discussing uh, another recent article of yours where you um, give... It's kind of a review. It's kind of a celebration. It's a treatment of a new Netflix uh, miniseries called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat Yep. by Samin Nosrat. Is, did I say her name right? Yep. Okay, good. I mean, it's a miracle. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about your experience with, with her show and what, uh, y- in, in your view, um, kind of distinguishes it.
4: Yeah, so it's a really unique uh way to go about food television. I thought it's a four-part series, so it really doesn't take much of your time. You can probably binge it in a night if you wanted to. Uh, I don't think that was Samin's intention for it, but it's definitely doable. It's on Netflix, uh, and it's separated into four different episodes that kind of catalog four different um, elements uh, that make cooking, that, make, that makes food good, pretty much. Um, And in each episode, you're basically learning how to cook without necessarily following along like you would with an Ina Garden or Julia Child or, you know, an Emeril. Like all all of those cooking shows on the Food Network, that's not necessarily her template. She's kind of showing off the elements of cooking through the eyes of, you know, people from, from Italy, from Japan, from the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico and how they incorporate these elements of salt, fat, and acid uh, into their dishes. And it, it's almost like how I described it in the piece was it was very post-Anthony Bourdain in that mm-hmm. you're basically allowing these cultures to present themselves as they are. And in a way, it kind of makes you know the, the world feel a little bit smaller. Like, oh, I may not cook the same way as this Mexican abuela making you know uh, a a soup with turkey Uh, but I recognize the methods of cooking that she's using I recognize the reasonings uh, that she uses to explain why certain things belong in the dish Um, and that way it's like oh well cooking is very universal and it's Through these voices that she gives light to that we kind of, you know, see that we can all be good cooks no matter what background we come from, no matter, you know, what starting point we're at. I I think that's a very beautiful thing to, to try and convey.
0: Well, one of the things that I love, uh, I haven't seen every one of each episode yet. I've been kind of in and out with it. But part of what I find so compelling about it is her unbridled, unvarnished experience as an eater. Right. She eats like we eat. Mm-hmm. And and this is part of the thing that, um, you know, was, was so alluring with Anthony Bourdain. But to see a woman in her position with what she's accomplished, basically, uh, you know, this this f- five sense experience that we've talked about, synesthesia, synesthetic, and, and she really um, is, lives it in, in her experiencing of the food and the cultures that she's enjoying it in. Um in, in just a manner that's so relatable. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah,
4: absolutely. And and there's uh so the the series is actually based on a cookbook that she wrote last year. Uh and in the intro, I believe she kind of gets into her almost origin story in terms of how she became a cook, how she became a teacher and a food writer. So she was up in Berkeley, uh attending university at Cal. And Up there in Berkeley is a legendary restaurant called Chez Panisse uh, from the chef Alice Waters. And it was one of the the first kind of farm-to-table type restaurants that really explored the the beauty of using seasonal ingredients and all of that. And she went with her then-boyfriend. They were extremely poor, so they saved up a bunch just to go for this one meal. Um, And by the end of it, she gets served this chocolate souffle. And... Um, the waiter comes by and asks her, oh, how she likes it. And she's like, oh, it's great, but I feel like it would be much better with a glass of milk, just a glass of cold milk. And the waiter like looks at her stunned and she's like, "Uh, well, that's not how we serve it, really. It's not really French style, but we do have this dessert wine. But by the end of it, she ends up with this glass of milk. She also gets the dessert wine. And I think... That kind of curiosity and that that willingness to look beyond, like just you know what's accepted, and and kind of following your own gut, uh, is basically the the ethos of the show, and it shows you know her curiosity and her like, I don't know if you want to call it naivete. It's like that's what kind of fuels her her quest for these flavors.
0: Yeah, eminently relatable uh, quest for flavors. If you ever needed to change the name of Chow Down, I don't recommend that you do. That's not <laughs> a bad. That's a that's got some appeal, quest for flavors. I like it. Two recent articles by Danny Chow, both available on the ringer.com. He writes about Samino's Rats new Netflix show Salt Fat Acid Heat. He also has a beautiful treatment on Skittles, which is very relevant for this week. Danny, what's coming next? Where are you headed? I am headed back to my desk to watch some basketball. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, well, I, I, tell the hungry homies. Wh- we always want to know what's going into your mouth and coming out of your pen, right? Wh- wh- what, 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 what? Ne- what's your next eating adventure?
4: To be honest, I haven't. I haven't really planned that out yet. I have a couple things on the back burner um, that I still have to report out. Don't think I have enough to really tease it out. Don't really know when they're going to be going up. I have a couple things, a couple big food things in the works. It's just uh, nothing too imminent. Right now, we're just kind of trying to survive the NBA season.
0: right, And and the holidays as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll look forward to those pieces. You'll come on in in the meantime. Uh, Danny Chow, our Ringer food correspondent, the author of Chow Down, the food series. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, my hungry homies, there we go. We've done it. Quick shout-out to Ringer Podcast across the board. iHeartRadio is taking notice of all the outstanding work being done by our colleagues, both the Bill Simmons Podcast and Cousin Sal's Against All Odds going head-to-head in the sports category, Bachelor Party, with our very own beloved Juliet Littman is up in the entertainment and TV category, and, and I have no idea how this happened. Hungry Homies, House of Carbs is up for an award. It must have been a cheap application. I don't know. Whoever did that, thank you. I'll, I promise to reimburse you. House of Carbs, the podcast, nominated for an iHeartRadio award in the food category. You can vote up to five times a day. I uh, have been voting uh, under an alias or two Fifteen di- No, I don't recommend that. And I'm doing it straightforward. Five times a day. You just register. You can vote. Please, if you like the show, feel free to express it uh, by way of, of some votes on the iHeartRadio.com podcast. The category is food. Thanks very much uh, to everybody for the support. We will be back next week with another episode. But until then, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there.